Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is, right now it's Friday night, the 24th, but this episode isn't coming out until Saturday, the 25th. So I'll start out with a big fat lie and say today is Saturday, February 25th, and today's episode is a full slate breakdown for today's impending NBA games. To be honest, this was a bit of an impromptu episode, so it was going to be just me, myself. I was here alone by myself on a Friday night looking at some numbers for some games tomorrow and thought, wow, I really like this slate. I have some things that I'd like to talk about. Might as well sit down and record a show. And honestly, guys, it's really just an ode to how happy I am that basketball is back. NFL was definitely better for podcast contents. It's easier with the Monday, Thursday, Sunday games, days between those games to talk about what's happening in the gambling market. NBA is obviously harder for content. It's the sport I love the most, but because games happen every 24, 48 hours, because guys are constantly resting and the line's constantly moving a lot, it's really hard in terms of creating the best podcast content. So that's why during NFL NBA overlap, I focused on the NFL side. It was just easier for you guys as the listeners, me as the content creator to, to, you know, give you guys NFL based stuff. But NBA is where I shine. It's the sport I love the most. It's definitely my most profitable sport. I'd say my hit rate is fairly equal between NFL and NBA, but because we have the volume of 82 NBA regular season games versus 17 NFL regular season games, it's inherently a more profitable sport. So love the games that we're looking at for tomorrow. I figured I'd jump on and go through the odds, talk about where these lines opened and closed, and go through the various bets, best, best bets that I have. This Detroit Piston-Toronto Raptors game has been sitting at 6.5, I think, the whole time. Let me double-check that real quick. I should have done that before I started recording, but you guys can listen to me live. Check what the opening line was. It actually opened at Raptors minus 7 and is down to Raptors minus 6.5. So we are seeing some Detroit backing come in. And this is classic reverse line movement as I look at the splits. We have 75% of the money on the Toronto Raptors. But still, the Detroit Pistons at home go from a plus 7 to a plus 6.5. I am not going to follow this reverse line movement trend. Reverse line movement is the factor that I care about the most when handicapping any sport. It is the book taking a position against the market. And when the book takes a position, in this case saying, give us your Toronto Raptors money, We already have 75% exposure on the Raptors, but we're going to reduce that line from Raptors minus 7 to Raptors minus 6.5, make it even easier for the Raptors to cover the spread because we want your Raptors money. So for me, as someone who's evaluating the market, that is a clear indicator to me saying, if the sports book is telling you to get on the Raptors, you actually want to be on the Pistons. In previous episodes, if you go back in the catalog, if you're a newer listener, and certainly we have a lot of those, as my Twitter, at mfiddle14, is up over 900 followers. Quick shout out to the Twitter followers that are listening. Thank you, guys. We've had a huge growth on Twitter in the last couple weeks, and I appreciate it. If you are a new listener, go back through this catalog. Last March, I released an episode called The Most Important Numbers for Betting NBA Games, and we talked about how crucial the 6.5 and the 7 was because 7 is the most common outcome of any NBA game. 7 also very important for NFL, but it is really the only key number in the NBA. And for that reason, 
playing around the 6.5 is so important. So if you missed the Detroit Pistons plus 7 and you're now seeing this at a plus 6.5, inherently this is a much worse line for you. So I wouldn't totally jump in these waters. If this had moved from 8 to 7.5, you'd hear me telling you right now to bet it live because I'd be putting it in myself. However, because this went from 7 to 6.5, because it's the Detroit Pistons at home, probably the worst amongst the worst teams in the NBA, because I personally think the Raptors are a team to watch in the second half of the season, I am not going to jump in on this. Gambling theory would tell you, take the Pistons plus 6.5 and buy into the reverse line movement that's happening. Let's talk about the Magic versus the Indiana Pacers. The Magic opened up as a three-point or two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. It's up to minus three and juiced minus 114 in that direction. So not only are you getting half a point worse in the line, you're also paying more for the juice. We are seeing 54% of the money on Indiana. Guys, this is also reverse line movement. This is an an away team in the Pacers that I'm choosing to fade in the second half of the stretch season. This is an Orlando Magic team that I think could make a play-in push and a play-in run because guys like Paolo Franz, uh, why am I blanking out? Wendell Carter, uh, Fultz, they're actually just talented. Like, they're pretty freaking good. I know they sit very close to having some juicy lottery odds, but they also sit pretty close to making a play-in push. So I expect them under first-year head coach Jamal Mosley to try and win games and develop culture and not tank. We've seen... Previously, I talked about this on the last pod with Austin. The team that does really well towards the end of the season is a team to watch the following season. So trying to establish that culture, whether it was the Phoenix Suns a few years ago or what we expected out of the Timberwolves this year and then they traded for Gobert, didn't work out, but we expected the Timberwolves to be very competitive at the start of this year. Next year, it's looking like the Magic and Oklahoma City Thunder. So for that reason, Magic and OKC are two teams that I'm looking back throughout the second half of the season. I keep saying second half of the season because we're just after the All-Star break. It's like the last quarter of the season. Just bear with me. Um, So Magic minus three is one of my best bets on the night because of the reverse line movement. Again, 54% of the money on Indiana. However, this line is moving from minus two and a half to minus three and juiced to minus 114 at that. So... They are making it harder for you to bet on Orlando while most people are already betting on Indiana. So they're asking for more Indiana backers. Go the other way. Take the Orlando Magic. Uh, The Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets opened at four and a half. It stayed there the whole time. I wouldn't touch this. Both teams are on a back-to-back in this situation. You just don't have enough information the night before. I'm recording this at 1030 to know who's going to play, who's going to sit, who's what the travel situations are. Just both teams on a back-to-back, I don't want to touch it. I was on the Hornets tonight. We had a plus 280 money line as they overcame the Timberwolves. We also hit the plus 8 in the spread. Great bet. Thank you, Hornets. We will move on from them. Uh, New, Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans are playing against the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, this line opened. Knicks minus 3. It sits at Knicks minus 3. So... Not getting too much movement on the board here. Um, We are seeing 88% of the money on the Knicks very early. Slight change in the odds. I would expect this line to go to minus 3.5, minus 4 before tip. Not going to be a line that I get in on. Uh, Pelicans still have a lot of talent. 
Knicks, very good home team, very strong defensively now that Mitch Robinson is back and playing. We'll see if he plays on the second leg of a back-to-back. I am not jumping on in this game. The money and the line movement are consistent, showing that the Knicks are probably getting the money and the right side. I don't want to follow it. Uh, Denver Nuggets versus Memphis Grizzlies. Now, this one's been all over the place. This line opened at Grizzlies minus one. It got all the way out to Grizzlies minus two and a half with clear reverse line movement. We were seeing about 65% of the money on Denver, but we were getting Grizzlies movement. So I jumped in and took the Grizzlies when it was minus 1.5. It's still at that minus 1.5. It moved back to minus 1.5. And I would jump in on that now. I would also jump in on the under 235. I got this at 233 and a half. It opened at 235. It ticked down to 233 and a half. It shot back up to 235. I really think there's some questionable indicators on who's going to be playing for the Denver Nuggets side. So is Aaron Gordon going to be active? Is Jokic even going to be active? We definitely know Steven Adams is out for the Grizzlies side, which makes a big difference. But if Jokic is inactive or if Murray is inactive or if Aaron Gordon sits again, then these are huge boosts to the Grizzlies' chance to win. Grizzlies at home are a great team. Uh, so we like backing them at home. Grizzlies have been on a horrible skid. They even dropped that one to Philadelphia a few days ago, which they really shouldn't have. They were leading the whole game. I got lucky because I was on the Sixers, minus four, and they ended up winning by five, even though it seemed like they led for like 30 seconds of the whole game, the last freaking 30 seconds of that game. But we'll take it. Any win is a win. Any loss is a loss. What really matters is obtaining closing line value. So what we are trying to do is pick off these lines where we think we are going to get positive line movement by the time it tips off. I always say when you are betting, you can judge a better based on the picks that they make and the bets that they make even before we know the result of said game. Show me the line they took. Show me the closing line of that game. And I'll tell you if it's a good bet or not simply based on the value of the ticket. So I like Memphis minus 1.5. I like the under 235. I would think both of these continue to trend south a little bit. And we get back to the uh, Grizzlies trend we were seeing in the market before. Boston Celtics versus Philadelphia 76ers. Now, this is an odd bet for me to say I'm backing Philadelphia. I really like that Philadelphia is at home. Um, I really like that we're also seeing reverse line movement. This line opened at Philadelphia one and a half. It's down to Philadelphia plus one at FanDuel. I jumped in when it was plus one and a half, even though we are seeing 62% of the money on Boston. So three spots on this board where we're seeing reverse line movement trends. Guys, we don't see reverse line movement that often in the NBA. So seeing it three times in one night, that's the reason why I have a higher volume card for this Saturday than normal. That's the reason why I jumped on the mic to do an impromptu episode that I wasn't planning on doing. Because I like these numbers, I like the indicators that we're getting in, and I want to explain it to you guys. So I said this is one that I don't normally like because matchup-wise, I've talked about this before, I have always played the Boston Celtics against the 76ers, and I've always taken the Celtics, and it's been probably one of the most profitable matchup-based plays that I've consistently stuck to. This is like the first time I could remember taking this core 76ers team against this core Celtics team and backing the Sixers. However, the indicators show the Sharps are on Philly. 
Philly's at home. Philly looks really rejuvenated. They came out with a terrible first quarter. They quickly washed that away, and they won the second, third, and fourth quarter of that game versus Memphis. Memphis shot the ball horribly. They had a big lead that they blew. Yet Memphis maybe should have won and let it slip away. On the flip side of that, the 76ers were very resilient. Embiid looked great. Harden looked great. Maxey was very good. Tobias Harris, awesome. P.J. Tucker fits a perfect role for this team. This 76ers team might be a little different from what I'm used to. Uh, you guys know I was pretty heavy on them on preseason priors. So it's looking like that stuff might come true. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, in a little bit about who I'm projecting for the NBA Finals. But in this particular situation, in a regular season game, in this one, I'm going with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's at plus one now. I still like the plus one. I definitely like the plus one more than the minus 104 money line. Talked on last episode, when you have uh, a spread, you evaluate the amount of ticks in the spread. Every half a point is one tick. So a plus one has two ticks, two half a points. Uh, you expect to get around 10 cents per tick. So if you have a minus 110 spread on a plus one, you get two 10 cent clicks you would expect to get around a plus 110 on the money line. Of course, one is slightly different to some other relative numbers where you hope for 10 cents a click because one is the 11th most common outcome in NBA games. It is not that important. So in this sense, it's not worth 10 cents a click, but you're getting three cents a click. The money line is minus 104. The plus one is minus 110. So for six cents on the dollar, you get the extra point. We know games end in a one-point game 4.1% of the time, an increase in 4% likelihood that it closes between the opening line and the closing line as NBA games do, giving you guys some secret of my advanced metrics that I use. It is worth taking the minus 110 and playing the plus one. There's about an 8% chance this game ends as a one-point game. Okay. Let's talk about the Spurs and Jazz as the last game. Oh, I'm also on the under. Uh, it's at two. I got it at 227. It's at 226.5 for that Celtics 76ers game. I'm very cool with still taking the under there. 226.5. I'm not overly concerned with key numbers in totals. I'm more how much did it move from its open. So if you're getting this half a, or half a point, one tick from its open, then I'm totally fine taking that and following the steam. I wouldn't say it's moved too much. If it moves six points and you're hearing this pod and you see it at 220 and a half, yeah, stay away. If it's a 222 and a half, yeah, probably stay away. That's a, that's for you to evaluate. If you see this at 226 and a half, I'm still confident in taking the under. Uh, the Jazz Spurs is not going to be a game that I feel like I need to talk about or play. We just don't know with either of these two teams. Tanking, two tanking teams where we expect the Jazz to be kind of tanking their They'll probably win this game and make a play and push. I probably shouldn't call them a tanking team. But they're motivated to get worse, and the Spurs are motivated to be the worst team in the NBA. For those reasons, I don't want to play a game where I'm rooting for a team to win when they are motivated to lose. So you never want to be more motivated than the team itself or the player themselves if you're on a prop. If you're on like an overprop for a player like uh, Colin Sexton's over 18 points. You don't want to care more about Sexton getting to 18 than Sexton does himself. Basic rule of thumb for all things gambling. That is 
the full slate breakdown for tomorrow's NBA games. If I will review the picks for you guys right now, it is Orlando Magic minus three, Grizzlies minus 1.5, 76ers plus 1.5. You can find those now. You can still get the Magic and the Grizzlies at that current number. 76ers, you can get them at plus one, which I still definitely like. Um, And then for the totals, I'm on the under 223.5 for the Nuggets Grizzlies and the under 227 for the 76ers Celtics. For the Nuggets Grizzlies, you can actually get a better line than I did. It jumped back up to 235. You can get an under 235. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about here is a little thought that I just had when I was in the shower. I was in the shower. I was thinking about some NBA basketball. I was thinking, am I about to do a podcast? Yeah, I probably will do an NBA podcast. And then my mind got a little, you know, lost in the sauce and the steam. And I just started thinking about, like, that so much of the last couple of NBA seasons have been determined. I'm talking about the NBA playoffs, the finals, the winner, who the finals matchup is. It's been determined by the team that does things a little bit differently, but still very effectively on defense. So let's hop in our... DeLorean takes you to the future, right? Let's hop in our time machine and go backwards. We're going to go back to the Warriors' first title before that 73-win team when they actually won won the title the year before. And the big switch that they made that year, going from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr, new coach, we'll see that happen a few times throughout this segment that I'm about to talk about. The big change was also going from David Lee to Draymond. Starting Draymond unlocked that death lineup. It unlocked them having the number one defense and winning their first finals. The next year, they followed up by being a 73-win team, loses to the Cavaliers in the finals. They still had the number one defense again. Then they acquire Kevin Durant, and they win the finals the next two years. And those seasons, they had the number two and number one defense in the league, respectively. So the Warriors reached the finals for five straight years. Uh, We'll get to the one against the Raptors in one second. The first four of them, they were number one, number one, number two, number one on defense. We always want to talk about those Warriors teams, about being like Splash Brothers, acquired KD, the death lineup, super offensive. Uh, They had the number one offense and the number one defense for many of years. And a big key to the reason why they won it, NBA heads know this. And if you're listening to this podcast, like, what are we, 20 minutes in? then you probably know that the Warriors were freaking damn good defensively during those years. Anyways, then they play the Raptors. Kawhi the Claw is in town. It's Nick Nurse's first season. And we're talking all regular season how the Raptors are so overprepared and they're giving these teams a new defensive look literally every night, constantly shaking things up. And it was working. It was working. And then they come out. And in the NBA playoffs, they're using all of these new looks, these different strategies that they were test running in the regular season, in the playoffs, and they win the finals. Of course, injuries to Clay and Kevin, I'm not going to like, you know, notwithstanding those injuries, I think the Warriors probably would have won that finals. Nonetheless, the Raptors get to the NBA finals and end up winning because of an amazing defensive scheme all year led by Nick Nurse and Kawhi. Okay, the next year, COVID year, it's the bubble year. Lakers win under first-year head coach Frank Vogel. And what does he do? He brings out the two-switchable big lineup in AD and JaVale, AD and Dwight. 
and flanks them with amazing defenders in LeBron, Caruso, KCP, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, KCP, does not get enough love. The reason why the Nuggets acquired KCP for Barton this year is because the advanced statistics that Contavious Caldwell-Pope is the number one off-ball screen defender in the league for the past few years. And that is needed when you go against a Steph Curry. So the Nuggets acquire him for a reason. The Lakers won with him for a reason. The The Lakers took down perennial defensive player of the year candidate in Bam Adebayo and a defensive stud in Jimmy Butler when they beat the Heat in that finals. Okay, you all following me? Defense, new defense, new defense every year. Then we return from the bubble year, and the Bucks seem to be doing things a little bit differently on defense. The rub on Coach Budenholzer for years prior to that was that they became super predictable. The Bucks give you guys open threes. They do not switch on screens. They go under on screens. They let you shoot. They let you shoot. They let you shoot. Well, it started to flame out in the playoffs few seasons in a row, and then we get to the next regular season after that bubble year, and what's happening? They start closing out on screens at a really high rate. They start switching, and most importantly, the Bucks that season had like no consistency between regular season games. They were trying things out, throwing opponents new looks, and training for a postseason run. Of course, acquiring Drew Holiday that offseason doesn't hurt, and they became a new team defensively. And they won. Okay? Then come the Celtics. And here comes the switching big system under Ime. You put Rob Williams on the guy in the dunker spot. You have him as the switch switch man, clash the glass, and be the closeout guy and the driver. The Mavericks were doing something similar out west. They reached the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics make it to the finals. Of course, they seem a little gassed and get manhandled by the way the Warriors run their offense. It was a new-look offense versus a new-look defense. The Warriors end up winning. But, of course, we got to the finals with a new-look defense. Which brings me to this overall point. The playoffs are a different game than the regular season of the NBA. I will talk about this so much over the next few weeks. And it seems we need to find the team that can change things up and play various styles of defense at a really high level. We need to find the team that is this year doing that and back them heavily in the playoffs. And sadly, the more I think about it, it seems to be the one team I don't have any finals exposure on right now. And guys, I think it's the Celtics again. So we will find ways to pick up some spots and back some Celtics in the near future, in the playoff future. We will be certainly backing them on a game-by-game perspective. I think I'm coming to the conclusion that this plus 280, really short odds price on the Celtics that makes no one want to take them, it's for a reason. It is for a reason. All right, guys, that is going to do it for me today. Thank you for tuning into the pod. I will be back next week, probably with two different slate breakdowns based on the numbers, the my schedule, which games I want to talk about. Definitely Wednesday night going into Thursday will be one of them. I love targeting those Thursday TNT slates. But follow and subscribe to the pod. If you're a new listener, I would love 
some written reviews. Please leave me a five-star and a written review in the comment section. Help me help you. That would be great. Talk to you guys soon. As always, peace out.